start a new transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing, or creating a brand new life. Be with us in Pantal Kalhor Transition Channel. Episode 35, How to Shift Our Emotion from Reaction to Response with Liz LaBlanche, Registered Psychotherapist. Please subscribe to Panta Kalho Transition Channel and order my book Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams. Hello, welcome to PTSD Self-Healing Show. I'm your host Panta Kalhor and uh, today we are going to talk about childhood PTSD and uh, abuse, abusive home and people uh, who actually recovered from it and how they react to it. And uh, we have a very special guest called Lise LeBlanc and she actually suffered from abusive childhood and she has a very interesting story to tell. She is a registered psychotherapist with 20 years experience working in therapeutic, uh, educational, and leadership roles. Liz has has seen firsthand the profound impacts that traumatic experiences can have on a person's life. Liz has a bachelor degree in psychology and master's degree in educational leadership, as well as many clinical certifications. However, most of her knowledge does not come from books. It comes from overcoming her own traumatic experiences and personal challenges. Welcome to our show. I'm so happy to have you here. (coughs) Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to our show. Uh, So tell me about yourself first. How so you, you almost come? said it all, but uh, <laughs> I'm a registered psychotherapist. I'm an author and um, I'm a certified coach and master coach practitioner. I have 20 years of experience working as a therapist. So I started my career in developmental services, uh, working with children with autism. And then I worked in children's mental health. And then I spent 10 years as the director of a mental health and addictions clinic for adults. Um, In the last three years, I have been in private practice and I've been writing books and my latest book is the uh, PTSD guide. And so, you know, in in writing that book, um, you know, I've shared some of my personal experiences, a lot of the stories that my clients have shared with me. And so even though I have a lot of formal training, my interest in trauma and PTSD really came from a lot of my own, you know, getting through trauma during childhood, having a lot of um, difficulty in my adolescence because of the trauma that I experienced. So, you know, I was in a lot of trouble getting, you know, getting in trouble with the law into drinking and drugs. I had an eating disorder. I was, um, you know, diagnosed with anxiety and depression, was suicidal, and all these things were going on in my adolescence. And so, you know, I had no idea when I went into the field of psychology that I was going into it to figure myself out. 
And so lucky for me that did happen. <laughs> but, you know, in the early years of my career, I started, you know, seeing clients and I really, I hadn't dealt with my own stuff. And, you know, I, I was really working kind of from, you know, book knowledge and things like that. But, you know, as I went through, I started doing my own internal work. And as I learned to, you know, deal with my own unprocessed trauma, I learned how to help clients really get through theirs. Liz, I think PTSD is a personal experience. I saw a lot of uh, therapists who didn't have PTSD before, so they don't know exactly how uh, to approach some patients. To be honest, somebody who already suffered from PTSD and uh, solved her problems is more experience to do this kind of thing because mm-hmm. me I had my own self-discovery uh, treatments and I didn't know those days that I have PTSD I didn't see any therapist and that's why it took me longer time to get rid of it mm-hmm. and uh, nobody knew that I had it even my parents because I, I was living in another country, you know, so I had lots of uh, things dealing with my problem and I had to solve it myself. Mm-hmm. But you are right. By the time you are not suffered from PTSD yourself, you cannot really treat your patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that there are, you know, you know, I think a lot of people go through some type of trauma and maybe... aren't diagnosed with PTSD or don't have PTSD and can maybe still be a good therapist and really be able to walk their their clients through that Um, you know in terms of being an effective therapist I still think I had a lot of tools and things to offer clients but once I really went through my own process of healing um, and got to the other side of it it gave me you know a really deeper understanding of, of my clients and you know back then um, you know, people were uh, diagnosed with anxiety and depression. So I would have clients coming in, their diagnosis was anxiety, depression, sometimes bipolar disorder. And as they were sharing their stories, I would hear a lot of stories of trauma. And that's when I really started questioning, um, you know, the whole concept of, of unprocessed trauma. And sometimes, you know, the, the, a lot of times, actually, clients would come in. And, and when I see unprocessed trauma, I was the first person that they'd shared their trauma with, or they may have shared it, you know, one or two times, but it didn't, you know, it didn't work out. And then they start really spending a lot of their time and energy trying to avoid uh, thinking about it, trying to block it out, uh, finding all kinds of uh, distractions, mind-numbing tactics to avoid that pain. And, you know, and I knew all about that because I'd experienced that. And, you know, I did turn my life around. But even once I did turn my life around, I had, you know, I had like kind of an awakening moment when I was 19 and and started shifting the way I was living my life. But I was still micromanaging my nervous system. Uh, I was still stuck in survival mode. So even if I look good on the outside, I was still always working very hard on the inside to manage that. And so I understood that part. And I understood that resisting, well, I eventually understood, I didn't understand that uh, when I was, you know, 20, 25 years old, but eventually understand, understood 
that that unprocessed trauma and that resisting and that kind of blocking and fighting it just doesn't work i like that you know you actually mentioned two points first of all uh, you said about your uh, awakening call exactly i um, i'm talking about myself the same thing awakening call because um, mine was a different story. I talk about it in many videos, so I don't want to waste your time. But um, I just, I was just hit by trauma. Somebody robbed my car and threw me out of the car. And um, I had lots of nightmares after that. And that was awakening call for me because that changed my life forever. I immigrated two times uh, to different countries and totally changed my life. <laughs> As you said, trauma can be uh, some push, can be only awakening call to tell you something, discover something from, from inside of you. So this is not just, just the pain that should go. You have to confront your pain. As you said, you shouldn't hide it. And you should actually confront with your fears and your pain. Uh, but I think we need some pause. You cannot just deal with it uh, as soon as it happened to you. Like mm -hmm. as myself, it took me some time to recover from it. You need some time to grieve and pause, rest. And then after sometimes, oh, where I am? <laughs> what should I do? Right. So that's, I think that's what happened to you as well. I actually read your story. I love it. You said I, you had an out of body experience at age of 19. Can you talk about this more? Yeah. So I was 19 years old and, and my life was very upside down. I was in university and I was still managing in, in school, but I was in an abusive relationship and, you know, smoking a lot of marijuana, just trying to numb the pain, drinking, that sort of thing. And I was, um, you know, suicidal at times. And one night I just got to this point where I just felt like I was never going to have a normal life. And what was the point of all this? And I was just at such a point of suffering that, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do. I just lost hope that things could get better. And so I was laying there on my bed and I just had this experience of, you know, floating away from myself, if you will. So it was as though I had detached from myself and the me that, you know, with all the problems and all these things that were happening in my life, I could see from a detached perspective. And so it was as though, you know, there was an awareness of this, you know, me and my story. And then I, it occurred to me that, well, maybe that's not me. Maybe this is me, the awareness of that. And so um, at the time, I didn't understand any of it, but it was very profound, even though, it, you know, I don't even know how long it lasted. It may have just been a few moments, but, you know, two or two days later, I think it was, um, I had a final exam to write and I just got on a bus. I left the relationship. I started making amends with the people I disconnected from because, you know, my life was quite in a state of um, shambles. And so I started putting my life back together. And so I finished school. I was in Ottawa at the time. And so I went and I finished school in Sudbury closer to home. And, 
you know, as I picked up the pieces, my way of kind of coping was just to block that stuff out. So it was as though I just kind of blocked out everything that happened in my first 20 years and made a plan to start fresh and really just kind of try to not deal with any of it. So I kind of built a wall between me and my trauma between because part of my trauma was trauma from early childhood, but then even in my adolescence with my own behavior, re-traumatized myself. Exactly. There was a lot of that stuff that I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of shame around things, choices I'd made, people I'd hurt, things I'd done. And so as I kind of closed that door, I was like, I just packed up this Pandora's box in the back of my mind. And I used up a lot of my energy to try and keep that box closed And I kind of went on this search for happiness, just trying to do everything I was supposed to do. And, you know, by the time I was 30, I was married, I had kids, I had a good job, I had a good education, I could go on trips, I had money to buy things, and I was still struggling on the inside. I was still dealing with that traumatized nervous system and really trying to constantly regulate myself. And so then I had a breakdown. Um, when other stresses came into my life, it just became too much to, you know, keep the lid down. Um, and I kind of sometimes compare it to, you know, holding a bunch of beach balls underwater. And, you know, it's like you can only manage that for so long before they start popping up and hit you in the face, <laughs> which is what happened to me. So after um, you felt that you still have these triggers, and this uh, trauma is inside you, what did you do um, when these triggers happened? Because you so couldn't then, hide it anymore. Yeah, so at 30 years old, a lot of things were going on in my life. I, I had just finished my master's degree, but my grandfather passed away and he was you know, a, a, a really good figure and support in my life. And my grandmother had Alzheimer's, so she came and lived with us. I had my kids were very small at the time, a lot of stress at work, unionizing and all these things were happening. And that really, you know, it really depleted me and I had a complete um, breakdown where I couldn't work anymore. And I really had to get serious about healing myself. And I got to that point of suffering. And, and, you know, sometimes you just have to get to that point of suffering before you're willing to commit to doing something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as long as you can manage it and, and hang in there and survive, you're just not motivated enough to face the pain. <laughs> so once I got motivated, Um, you know, I did a lot of things. I went to uh, therapy. So I I did cognitive behavioral therapy. I did hypnosis. I traveled to Peru and did ayahuasca. I went to healing centers. I went, I did retreats. Like I just really went all in um, because I just couldn't live like that anymore. And I, I had my, my young kids and I just wanted to be a better me and live in peace within myself because it was just really hard to always be um, struggling, you know, get up, go Mm -hmm. to work, do the same thing day after day, struggling to have to get over it anyway. Exactly. So I just went really in deep and processed all those experiences that I had and, you know, changed the meaning and the interpretation that I had put on it because 
you know, a lot of it was that I'm bad, it's my fault, I'm broken, I'm unlovable, I'm, you know, dirty, I'm all these meanings that you attach to the trauma and, you know, the world being being unsafe and uncertain and unpredictable and all this kind of, you know, insecurity that was in me and I just had to really start shifting my way of thinking, shifting my emotional reactions and in order to do that, I had to go back into all of the trauma that I experienced it and reprocess and reinterpret and just come come to peace with, with what's happened in my life and who it's made me as a person, as a whole. Because again, like I think if you're, you know, if you're taking all these pieces of your life and you're hiding them away in that Pandora's box and keeping the lid shut, when you, you know, if you think of yourself as a puzzle and you've got all these pieces that are thrown away, what, you know, your puzzle is not whole and complete. And I certainly didn't feel whole and complete and I didn't feel peace and happiness within myself. And every time I achieved all of these things or, or got what I thought was going to make me happy, I was still the same here. I was still dysregulated. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. You're talking from my heart. The same experience happened to me. Like, uh, because for, for years, I thought that somebody is following me is going to kill me because uh, the thief um, want to rob my car and he threatened me with a knife point. And I had this experience all over, all over, like in my mind, repeating. And then I came to, to my sense that I have to feel secure. And by the time you don't feel safe, that's not going to happen in you. Like healing starts from inside. You have to talk to yourself and sit and see if you want to continue going to this deep level of anxiety, depression, and killing yourself and repeating this sins in your mind, or you just want to stop it. So there are two things here. Some, some people saying, don't, uh, you should repeat those sins to confront your fears. And, uh, but to me, uh, repeating didn't help. I didn't want to avoid it. Mm -hmm. I know that happened to me. And I didn't want to repeat all the sins in my um, mm -hmm. mind. For sometimes I reframed my brain. I did many new things. So I tried to replace all the trauma and all the thoughts I had. So I started my master degree in another country. So I had too many challenges because <laughs> you start uh, in a new country, you mm -hmm. have to start a new language. Uh, so many things happening soon. So I didn't have time, to be honest, to think about the trauma. <laughs> you know, that trauma will make, will, you know, eventually force you to take the time. Uh, when exactly. You but yeah, you're right. As long as you can avoid it, most will. And that's, I mean, it's the basic pleasure pain principle. We are programmed, we are wired to avoid pain. <laughs> so we're going to avoid it if we can. Yes, but um, when we moved to a new house, house in Canada, uh, the first day, all the windows uh, 
where we didn't have any care tank because that was the first day. I was really afraid. I just repeated everything in my mouth. Wow, that's going to happen. Oh, I really is afraid. And I said, no, no, nothing going to happen. The, the second day, we had curtains and uh, everything looks <laughs> secure. So yeah. I felt much better. So you see these three girls uh, come and go. It's not like they never uh, leave you alone. But mm -hmm. you can actually slow down. You can actually and take the, the lesson you can learn what how to deal with it and yeah. you can actually um the, reduce the adversity of it yeah and part of it is you know giving yourself different messages but part of it is also healing at a deeper nervous system level and you know one of the first things i tell people is that there are you know, neurobiological changes that happen that happen with PTSD. So, you know, there's part of it that really making your nervous system safe, because if you know, you can tell yourself you're safe all you want, but, you know, your nervous system, once your amygdala is triggered, and you've got, you know, you've got something that's triggered your stress response, whether it's just, you know, you've got these repeated loop of memories, so to break the loop, and I talk a lot about this in my PTSD book, is the relation between the amygdala, the uh, hippocampus, and the prefrontal cortex, and how that loops around where you can't inhibit those memories, and it's, it keeps triggering the amygdala, so that's the, the you know, triggering the, the fear center, the stress response. So, you know, when I'm working with clients, you know, I always say, you know, the first step is, is, you know, making the commitment to use that, that energy that you've been using to block and resist and hide and build a wall uh, away from your trauma and to use that towards your healing um, and, and really talking about, you know, how to heal at a nervous system level. And sometimes it requires, you know, medication in combination with therapy. Um, but I, you know, I'm a, huge advocate for therapy, not just because I'm a therapist, but because that was, you know, a, a huge part of my healing. And, you know, I have people not repeat, you know, you were talking about repeating trauma, and I don't, I don't believe in repeating the trauma over and over again. But what I do believe in, and what I do with my clients, is I do a lot of guided imagery with hypnosis, where I guide that person to um, you know, take a detached perspective. So kind of, you know, rise above the content of their life or the movie of their life, all that stuff that's happened in, you know, each and every person's life and to detach from that and to allow their subconscious mind to go back into those areas where trauma happened, where something happened and to reframe, reprocess, take the positive lessons because the way your memory works is every time you think of your trauma, for example, you make it worse because that's your survival system wants to make sure that it keeps you safe. This is, you know, a mother grizzly bear protecting her cubs. If you think of your PTSD in that way and trying to, you know, um, calm that protective system and, you know, make friends with that, you know, versus trying to always fight it and push it and resist it. And then you can start, you know, using some of the experiences that you've had, seeing it in a different light, changing the meaning and then starting to 
then you're, you're, you know, having your, your memories go from constantly looping around to now being stored in other, you know, being safe to stored in other parts of the brain so that you're not constantly um, reliving those memories over and over again. So I think that's a huge part of the healing. And then it's a lot of practice and knowing that it'll sometimes feel like an uphill battle. There'll be a lot of slides backwards in someone's healing journey, mm -hmm. but to be, you know, self-compassionate and gentle with yourself the way you would be with, you know, your most, um, you know, best friend or uh, a loved one, someone that you love very much and to always treat yourself that way and, and really separate you from those PTSD episodes and have, you know, knowing that when those, when you're triggered, that those feelings of guilt, of shame, that's, you know, that's part of the PTSD. It's not who you are. So when I talked about that separation, that awakening that I had at 19, where I had all these, you know, problems and all these uh, emotions and experiences that I was struggling with. And then this awareness of, you know, this is who I really am beyond all those stories um, of shame and, and, and trauma and guilt and, and you name it. So, you know, helping people separate from that and start to heal the PTSD, start to heal the nervous system in combination with that, start practicing just the mental voice, constantly staying in that state of, is this really helpful? Is this supporting me in healing and all that kind of stuff that really goes a long way if you practice consistently. Yes, it's a process. It's not one day recovery. <laughs> Yes, and, you know, and we want the quick fix. We want the band-aid drive-through solution, but it's not going to happen. Because let's say if you lose a child, which is, I think, that's the worst thing that can happen to anybody. If if it happens, then whenever you see another child, you're going to repeat it in your mind. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not something that you can forget <laughs> yeah, but at least it's not about forgetting right it's about yes. processing reinterpreting and being able to in integrate that experience that's a very difficult experience but be able to integrate it into the whole of who you are and take you know whatever meaning and reinterpret that so that it can actually benefit you in your life in all ptsd survivors when i talk and including me, there is the moment that you see that's enough or something happened to you uh, which um, stop all your thinking about your deeper depression and anxiety as you, you had awakening call somebody else in the forest, uh, middle of forest wanted to commit suicide and then something amazing happened to him. And then for myself as well, like uh, I had a near death, death experience. This is very difficult when somebody want to kill you. And then uh, all mm -hmm. of a sudden it's, oh, my life could be totally changed. I mean, I could be paralyzed. I could be dead. And after that happened, I just realized, oh, I'm alive. I should be grateful. And that, that was a bit of relief. And then that's why I could recover from PTSD much easier than others. Mm -hmm. So because I didn't lose 
many things. I didn't lose. I just lost my car. And yeah. the interesting thing, the thief called me because uh, he had my mobile in the car. He called my home and then he actually returned the car. Can you believe this? <laughs> so, yeah, because in my heart, I already forgave him because I know if you have this resentment with you, I said, I don't know what happened to him. He was really restless. And when uh, I could see him running with my car, I was there in the middle of the, in the, middle of the street and all the people <clears throat> surrounded me. And I couldn't hear anything. I could see him in my mind that he's running with my car. I think those moments is, is something happening to you, which is not in your ordinary frequency of your human being. Mm -hmm. That was something totally different. Yeah. And it's the interesting point was that like, I couldn't insult him. I couldn't hate him at that moment. I just forgave him. And that was so bit of relief because the, 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 this is a problem people have. The ordinary uh, things happen to us. You insult and you, I'm not saying insult, like mm. don't feel right about this. And then uh, you try to show your resentment. I couldn't say anything. It mm. wasn't me. I felt and said, okay. I just don't want to talk about it. I just want to be healthy. Yes, mm -hmm. I had back pain. It took me uh, some time to recover, but I was alive. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a bit of relief. And that, that's why I was happy that I could be recovered from it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said, I have to change my life. So I knew that that time life is short. <laughs> Yes. And I've seen some people who've had, you know, a car accident where they say, I know I should be grateful to be alive. I know this, but I just keep hearing the crashing, you know, the crunching of the metal and the skidding of the tires. And I just keep replaying it. I know I, I should, I should be grateful to be alive, which then adds to the guilt because they should, you know, they should feel a certain way. They should feel lucky. They should feel happy and people will tell them you know you 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 survived you're here yay yes but it, it's rewired my nervous system and i am experiencing the symptoms of uh, trauma and ptsd and so there's still a whole healing and i found that you know in my clinical practice that the outcome doesn't always really reflect the the intensity or degree of the the PTSD symptoms that a person's experiencing. So, you know, for example, someone who who went through a near death experience, they were they were being put under uh, with the anesthetic, and they had a, a reaction, which is a reaction that's you know one in a million or something like that, a very very small percentage, and they they died and were revived and developed. PTSD from that and again you know lucky to be alive don't remember anything of what exactly happened but again developed a severe case of uh, PTSD and some pretty intense symptoms and then other people who go through a really 
traumatic experience with a very negative outcome and somehow recover. So, you know, it has so many things to, you know, so many factors or variables at play that it's just impossible to tell what, um, what experiences will trigger what symptoms and for how long and how intensely. So I found that, um, you know, it's sometimes I'll have someone come in and think, oh, they're going to heal very quickly and, and, and they don't. And, and then sometimes thinking, oh, you know, they've been traumatized so often and so deeply that they're, they're not, you know, thinking that their prognosis isn't good and then they do very well. So it's, it's interesting that way. At least they came to you they realize that they need to be healed. But I knew a lot of people, they have a lot of traumas like bipolar and uh, they have lots of conflicts, issues. Um, and this happened to them because um, like after divorce or bad betray, 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 betray what is it? Betrayal, bad yeah. Relationship, yeah, bad mm -hmm. relationship, you know, uh, but they, they deny it. And what happened because they didn't forgive themselves and uh, their partner, they never going to be healed. That's right. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I've seen so many of them, even uh, close people. And uh, the problem is that uh, they can't actually deal with what happened. They look okay, mm -hmm. you know, but in certain situation, everything going to be changed they change into another person and they, they can actually react to uh, things that the same as other people. So they always feel they are guilty, they are ashamed, or they, they feel that many other people gonna betray them as well. <laughs> you see the, these, these things because the forgiveness didn't happen. If you can forgive yourself, if you can feel safe, and if you th can think, especially in relationship, these breakdown happens for, so for breakup happens for a reason. That's right. Yeah, and I think that yeah. uh, you know you're you're hitting on a very key point. Uh, well, a couple of key points, but you know uh, I believe the root of a lot of mental illness and a lot of addiction. Um, is unprocessed trauma and that you know whatever's behind you that's not dealt with it, it just has a way of continuing to show up in front of you um, in people places and things but also in your you know through your own repetitive um, symptoms and and thoughts intrusive thoughts and all these things that continuously show up in your life internally and even show up in front of you in your life. You, you tend to attract the same kind of situations, people, and then are re-traumatized. So, you know, if, if, any, if any good incentive to deal with past trauma, resolve the, you know, the meaning, the emotions and everything associated to it, um, you know, it's, it's hard work but it's hard work that really has a, a huge payoff. That's an amazing point. Like unprocessed trauma. I have to think about it. Like you're right because unprocessed uh, trauma, if it's not resolved, going to show up in different stages of life. Mm -hmm. So I know some people 
they they said okay my uh, my child has some problem but if uh, he gets married and uh, starts uh, his new life he's going to be changed but this is not going to happen <laughs> cuz no. healing should should starts from the inside for for a few years they are okay and then they are going to be hit by trauma again and these uh, feeling of guilt and uh, shame reveals again and that like get to a point where there's you know everything inside of you is resolved and there is nothing to hide from from within yourself there's a huge sense of of peace you know it's not this kind of gut busting happiness or euphoria it's just a sense of stability and balance and and peace and just everything then flows from that space and so even though stressful things might happen in life when you're already in that state of balance and peace you can handle those things much better than if you're in that constant stress survival mode and waiting for bad things to happen you're already so stressed out that when something bad happens you just it, it's too much for your system to handle because it's already at its max capacity constantly um what are the three steps to self recovery let's say how do you start consulting your patients for self discovery um so when you say how do i start consulting my patients um like my clients what what do you mean by that like how do i start uh, in the beginning yes uh, first of all how do you start cons- um recovering um, and helping them to recover from PTSD what mm. are the steps how and i know uh, th- therapy is good because you can help them but at the end of the day they have to um, help themselves as, as well right that's right and for you know you know by the time someone comes in to see me they're looking for help so you know they've already taken that first step where you know they they want some healing so i always dread when i have clients that you know their mom sent them or the court sent them or someone no. else sent them because so much work okay yeah <laughs> i just i don't have a magic wand i don't i have the ability to give information insights resources strategies and to really guide someone through a process of you know meeting their trauma um uh reprocessing that trauma so going into those parts of their life not repeatedly you know going into that once and reprocessing and guiding them through that process and you know giving them strategies helping them learn how to manage their mind how to manage their emotions how to understand that PTSD has neurobiological impacts that they're not crazy that it's not because they're not trying hard enough but also to understand that there's a payoff to some of the behaviors the coping mechanisms that people develop it helps them avoid pain it helps them gain pleasure in a moment but it also stops the healing process or it also causes further damage to this you know healing nervous system so you know a lot of it is around educating the person giving them the tools the strategies um and and again it's commitment for that person to really you know 
go home and use the tools because it's not an hour in in a therapy session that's really going to create a change in that person's day-to-day life it might give them the insight and it might give them um, the starting point for healing Um, and in my ptsd guide i really go through all of this step by step around how to heal yourself and of course i recommend that you get a counselor a therapist someone to help you out but not everyone has access to that there's millions of people that want help and either can't afford it the waiting lists are long um, or there's you know maybe they've had really bad experiences with a therapist in the past and they don't want to go back so there's a lot of reasons why people may not access professional help and so if they want to get started they can listen to resources like what you're offering and read a book like the the ptsd guide which is broken down in very small chunks of information because people who are struggling with ptsd often have you know lost ability to you know remember to concentrate there's attention deficits like there are real cognitive impairments that happen with PTSD and so it's very hard then to have enough uh, internal resources to then do all this work by yourself so if you can get anyone even if it's you know a friend that you you know that you trust and can really help you um, process some of this it's just that most people don't you know, they don't have, depending too on the type of trauma, they don't have the skills or the resources or even the ability to listen to somebody's story that's very traumatizing. It almost traumatizes them. So it's kind of like that, that double-edged. You know, that's the way you can differentiate coaching and therapy. Because mm-hmm. coaching is not, uh, is not a therapy. Right. Yeah. And when, I do a lot of coaching. Yep. Um, as a life coach, I do coaching. And as a therapist, I do therapy. And um, in therapy, some of the types of therapy is, you know, supportive counseling, um, some of the talk therapies, psychotherapy, some of the CBT is a lot around the here and now. And it's a recognized, you know, evidence based practice. And then there's even deeper types of therapy that are really going in and digging down deep into the root cause of, um, you know, the problems that you're having in the here and now don't come from the here and now often they come from way back there things that happened a long time ago that now have, you know, changed your way of perceiving and interpreting and reacting mentally and emotionally to the people, places and things in your life. And I think that it also depends on your intensity of the trauma you're suffering if uh, you are aware enough yes you can go to a coach and uh, you can heal yourself Mm -hmm. but sometimes um, as you said it's a long deep uh, rooted in you (laughs) and it's not really easy to deal with it you know that's why you need a therapist that's what I understand. But again, even somebody who come to the therapist, uh, who come to the therapist is should be aware of what is what is doing, because if he's not willing to do this, then it's not going to work even for him. 
That's true too. Yes. Um, you know, and it's, it, it brings me back to kind of the beginning of my story where, you know, when I started my career in therapy as a therapist, I was 25 years old and, you know, I'm not the therapist I was 22 years ago because I've gone through a lot. So, you know, I had training, I had tools, I had formal education, I had all the stuff that made me a therapist, but it was in going through my own healing process that made me exactly therapist. And so <laughs> I, I wish I could go back and <laughs> see some of the clients I saw early in my career and, and have a redo. But you know, if you if you okay, by by this time they are recovered, start <laughs> find another one. <laughs> and actually, you know, even in my early career. I, I did help people, but in a really different way than... Yeah, because it's not deep enough. I know. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, no, no, I was, really... I'm a software engineer. So my background is IT. And uh, the interesting point is you actually um, study for four years, have a bachelor degree, and you say, oh, I'm okay. I can go to the market. And then you start where you have nothing to do with the work. Because... <laughs> You don't have any experience how to do it. Whatever you just had was exams, books, and they're not enough. This is not the real uh, experience of the workplace. Yeah. So and then I you think, have your ego and, and you don't know what you don't know. You exactly. Know, you just know give you some knowledge. <laughs> give you some, you, uh, some knowledge. But you, how, how do you want to use this knowledge? There are lots of knowledge you can find through internet, Google. That's why a lot of people only get the certification and it's not enough. Because you cannot use the certification if you don't have experience. That's right. Was at, but as a PTSD coach, what I realized, I got the certification because I wanted to know exactly what is the uh, conventional PTSD is. <laughs> and I tried to compare whatever I read with my own experience. And then I see uh, you shouldn't limit yourself to whatever book says. <laughs> Because it's not enough. People are different. Their treatments are different. Your, real, real, uh, your discovery of your word is totally different. And I actually deal with my PTSD in another aspect. So I did something else. So that's why you shouldn't limit it to these tools and books and studies. If yeah. it's that so, so... Uh, all the patients should be uh, analyzed the same thing and they should be <laughs> treated the same way. But as, as you see before, I was thinking, okay, these medical doctors, all of them had the same degree and they did the same study, same books, but how come one doctor diagnosis is different from another one? You see, that's the difference between experience and uh, like the level of uh, smartness, <laughs> uh, yeah. the IQ is different, the, whatever they see, but some of them are so formal. They just go by the blood test and then do this. But sometimes uh, I see a lot of like smart medical doctors, 
they actually try to find the root cause of the issue. So they don't just see the uh, surface. That's the same uh, uh, for the therapist. So I see you, the therapist can actually go deeper to your past life. So go to the root cause of the issue. Why this happened to you? So you actually resolve that root and cause. you never get the why. You know, you yes. get the real why, but you know, you can definitely put your, put a new meaning and interpretation and process it and take whatever, um, you know, whatever positives, whatever good, or, you know, reframe it in a way, because again, when you're opening that kind of memory drawer and you're re revisiting any memory, we're always shifting and changing those memories. So we want to shift them and change them in a way that works better for our nervous system <laughs> so that we're not continuously in fight or flight mode. Mm. But again, going back to what you were saying about just, you know, the doctors and really trying to get to the root cause. And I think with any client therapeutic kind of relationship for those who are able to access therapy is to really have that therapeutic rapport and that trust and that safety and being able to really talk about what's going on and uh, have that feeling of being able to really open up because if you're going into therapy and, and, and still hiding and still keeping things to yourself, you're really not going to get the benefits and you're not going to heal in the way that you could if you really were able to open up. And so if you don't feel that connection with the therapist, get somebody different. There's connection. Yeah, exactly. You know, I had the same experience with my fertility doctor. I couldn't connect to her. Yeah. Like I was really disconnected and uh, I didn't get good waves from her. Right. Maybe she was good for many people, but not me. Exactly. Or when I, when I went to acupuncture for my own fertility issues, that, that was the same. Yeah. I, I switched from one acupuncture to another. The third one I could connect. Yeah. So you see, that's, that's the same thing. There are lots of therapists there. Not, oh, I'm not saying they are good or bad, but I know somebody had therapy for 23 years. 23 years. If this therapist could work for you, you, you could be recovered much earlier. You still feel depressed. And, and, you know, this is not working. You should switch your therapist, you know? That's yeah, what I'm saying. So, you know, so that's a, why they, they don't believe it because they did a good experience with one therapist and they, they, they think that all of them are the same. They are not. Yeah. And, and, and you know, some therapists have this set of tools and another might have this set of tools. And so, you know, if whatever you're doing is not working or maybe it did work to a certain point, but then you've, you've become stagnant, then it is, you know, it is time for a break. It's time for a change. And I think if we just keep doing the same things, talking to the same people, having the same conversations, repeating the same thoughts in our head, nothing can ever be different on the outside if everything stays the same. <laughs> All right, Liz, do you have any program or any bonus for my audience? Um, so I have my um, PTSD book that's just been released. And like wow. I was saying, um, this book is really a guide 
so this is a book that someone can take and they can learn what what is trauma how does it affect the nervous system what to do how exercises like there's practical exercises reflective questions there's tools and strategies and i really recommend that people don't try to read the book cover to cover that they one little section at a time and it's broken up into kind of i call it bite-sized chunks so there's, you know, the information, there's stories about other people who um, have had um, PTSD, recovered from PTSD or, or not recovered. Um, people's journey with PTSD and how to really work through that healing program, um, hopefully not on your own, but if, if you don't have resources, it's still a very good starting point. Okay. Uh, I have two other questions. <laughs> First of all, uh, do you have any recommendation for people who are dealing with PTSD, how they can start uh, and what they have to do? So, like I said, if you're able at all to get someone to help you through this healing journey, um, I haven't met many people who are able to do it on their own. It's it's just such a hard thing to do, and I know I had a lot of helpers on my way, uh, counselors and different um, people who've helped me on my healing journey. And so, if you can get that support, uh, get support. And um, I always tell people understand that there's been changes to your nervous system. There's been changes to the structure and function of different parts of your brain. And, you know, there is, there's a lot of evidence about the neuroplasticity of the, the human brain. But if we just keep firing and wiring in the same pattern over and over with all of the, the, the memories and, and the inability to kind of block these different intrusive thoughts and having the fight or flight response being triggered, um, by all kinds of things in the environment, we really need to heal at a deeper level. And so, you know, I, I recommend people meet their trauma. I call it meeting your trauma. And, you know, what happened to you? What is it that you're, you're avoiding? What is it that's hurting you? What is it that when you think about or, or talk about just goes and gets you at your core? Is the PTSD... Uh... Is PTSD recoverable? And I would say it depends. Um, I have seen some situations where, you know, there's been progress, but the nervous system has been so traumatized so many times for so long without any treatment. And then it becomes very, very difficult to rewire, you know, rewire the nervous system when it's been, so deeply damaged. So, you know, I'd love to say, yes, of course. Um, oftentimes, yes. Uh, oftentimes, PTSD is, you know, there's still some remnants and, you know, they still have some symptoms, but it's a lot more manageable. Um, they can live meaningful, productive lives and be able to, you know, function well in their lives and, feel good most of the time. So I found that for a lot of people, they do make significant progress. Um, some do not, and some recover so much that they don't qualify for the diagnosis anymore. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you.
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.